0: If you've got your Bibles, would you please turn with me to we're going to read from 1 Samuel 16, the first seven verses, then we're we'll going to go, go to John 2, verses 23 to 25. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, that you are our hope. In this world, Lord, we thank you that you are our lasting joy untold. we thank you that you live within us, O God. And, Lord, we rejoice in you this morning, Lord, for the great things that you've done for us, Lord, and for the great things that you're going to do for us, Lord. You are, Lord, as we heard, Lord, this morning. You are the God of the impossible, Lord. And, Lord, we just thank you this morning, Lord God, that you're able, Lord. You're more than able, Lord. So, Lord, we pray, Lord, for this word, Lord. I pray for every heart. In every life, Lord, that, your, that our hearts would be open, that our ears would be open, Lord, to the receiving of thy word, Lord. And I pray, Father, Lord, that none would be seen or heard but you and you alone, Lord. We give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 First Samuel First Samuel, 16, 1-7. And the Lord said unto Samuel, how long? How long will thy mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peacefully? Peaceably. And he said peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons. And called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come. That he looked on Eliab And said surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel. Look not on his countenance. Or on the head of his stature. Because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth Not as man seeth; For man friends looketh. On the outward appearance. Is that not right? For man looketh. On the outward appearance. But the Lord. But the Lord looketh. Upon the heart. Turn with me to John 2. John 2:23 to 25. Now when he and that's Christ. now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. you hear that this morning? Because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man. For he knew what was in man. For he knew what was in man. Men look on the outside. Men look in that outward appearance. But the Lord looks in the heart. Verse 25 of John 2 says. And needed not. That any should testify of man. For he knew. Friends. He knew. Christ knew. And knows. He knew. What. What. Was in man. What. Was in man. You know if you drive up into the Craig that Hills. Between Newtonards and Bangor. There's a billboard. Sitting in the middle of a field. And on that billboard. Is the scripture. For he knew. For he knew. What. Was in man. And you know. I've been up in and around those hills for years. With my job. And I always see this scripture. It's been there for years. Years. And every time. I see this scripture. Something. Stirs in my heart. And I mean it's not as if it's a scripture that. Gives you a great deal of faith. And, and great encouragement. No but probably do the contrary. It would maybe make you feel a bit. Fearful and even a bit inward looking. But you know friends while praying. While praying and asking God. What do you want me to bring? What do you want me to bring to your people in Balanets? And I've tarried before God. And friends this scripture. This scripture kept coming up before me. This scripture kept coming up before me. So I believe this is what the Lord wants me to speak on this morning. For he knew. For he knew what is in man. You know friends our God is omniscient. Amen. Our God is omniscient. And that just means he's an all seeing. And an all knowing God. The dictionary defines it this way. The state. Of having total knowledge. The quality of knowing everything. The quality of knowing everything. Church, hear me this morning. God knows everything. He knows everything. 1 John 3 and 20 says, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. And knoweth all things. Friends, He knows not only the minutest details of our lives but those of everything around us. He knows when a sparrow falls to the ground and he knows when we lose even a single hair from our head. Not only does God know everything that will occur until the end of time, but he also knows our very thoughts even before we speak them. Psalm 139, 1-4 to says, O Lord, thou hast searched me. Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting. And thou knowest mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down. And art acquainted. And art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word. There's not a word in my tongue. But lo, Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Friends, he knows us from afar. He even saw us in our mother's womb. Solomon expresses this truth perfectly when he says, For you, for you only, know the hearts of all the children of mankind. Friends, he knows the way in which we take. Whether we take the good way, or whether we take the bad way. Whether we walk on the broad road, or whether we're walking on that narrow road. He knows which way that we go. Why? Why and how does he know all these things? Because he made all things. Because he made all things. John 1, 1-4 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Before anything was formed, think about it, before anything was formed. God began the great work of creation. And in that great work of creation was man. And God knew man even before he formed him. In John 2.24 it says. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them. Because he knew all men. Because he knew all men. From Adam the first one. Right up until this very minute. God knows all men. He knows all men. Ever born or ever to be born into this world. He's known the Hitlers. He's known the Genghis Khans. He's known the Neros. He's known the Lannins. He's known them all. Both good and bad. He knows what makes us all tick. Because he alone searches the heart and he tries the reins. Friends, he knows all men. Not only their names and faces, but their nature, their dispositions, their affections, and their designs. He knows all men, for his powerful hand made them all, and his piercing eye sees into them all. He sees right into them. He knows his subtle enemies. And all their secret projects. His false friends and their true characters. As to what they really are. And whatever they pretend to be. He knows them that are truly his. He knows their integrity. And he knows their infirmity. He knows their freedom. He knows who are sincere. And who are hypocritical. He knows those in whom he confide. And those to whom he can neither trust himself or his gifts. Friends, he knows me and he knows you. He knows our cares. He knows our fears. He knows our worries. He knows our perplexities, our temptations, our afflictions, our desires. He knows our hopes and he knows our dreams. He knows our health and he knows our hindrances. He knows everything there is to know about us. He knows, friends, what is within us. For he knows all men. He knew. He knows what is in man. He knows what is within us. But you know, friends, I suppose the question—I suppose the question that I'm really driving at this morning—do you know? Do I know? Do I know what really is within me? Do you know what really is within you, or not in you, or not in me? Do we really know our own hearts? You know what the Bible says about our hearts? Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things. And who can know it? Who can know it? You know, contemporary people generally consider the head, the head with its brain to be the center and director of all human activity however the Bible the word of God speaks as the heart, as the center for out of it friends, out of it flow the issues of life, out of it are our issues concerning our lives? When the Bible speaks of the heart, it's not referring to our physical organ that pumps blood all around our bodies, throughout our whole bodies. Rather, the heart has used in the Bible is spiritual language that encompasses the totality of one's intellect, emotion and volition. The heart is the inner being of a person and includes one's desires, feelings, and thoughts. It's the wellspring of desire and decision. Everything we do, everything we say, everything we think is activated by our hearts. It controls virtually everything within us. It's who we are. It's what we are. But the man of God said it's deceitful. It's deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? who can know it you know Jesus confirmed Jeremiah's diagnosis when he said that what makes a person unclean before God is not the failure to follow some ceremonial law no friends but the willingness to listen to wicked inclinations lodged in one's heart such as evil thoughts adulteries, fornications, murders, theft covetousness, pride, deceit and foolishness you know friends hearts that are committed to doing evil run the risk hear me very closely this morning hearts that are committed to doing evil run the risk of becoming hardened those who persistently refuse to listen to God's word and to obey his commands and instead follow their own wicked desires of their hearts will find that God will eventually harden their hearts so that they'll lose all sensitivity to his word and to the desires of the Holy Spirit. That strong language this morning. Friends. That's a fearful place to be in. When God hardens your heart. And you lose all sensitivity. To the moving of the Holy Ghost. In your life. You know brother Clindanan Told a story many many years ago. A true story. But he told the story of a preacher. Who was committing adultery. And one night this preacher. Went to this woman's house. And before he got out of the car. God spoke to him. And he said. If you cross that threshold. Of that woman's house. You will never ever hear my voice again. Well, the man disobeyed God. He disobeyed the voice of God. And he went into that house. But you know something, friends? It wasn't long before his sin was found out. It wasn't long before his sin was found out. And as you can imagine, he lost everything his home, his wife, his family. His church, he lost everything. But you know what the saddest thing is? Years later, he's found sitting in a church, trembling, trembling, holding on to the back of a seat, trembling and in tears. And when the pastor spoke to him and asked him, What's wrong? Sir, what's wrong? The man said, I can't hear the voice. Of God anymore. I don't sense his presence. In my heart. God had withdrawn himself. And hardened. And hardened his heart. What a fearful thing, friends, to lose the presence of God in your life. You see, it may not be something very blatant that causes the Lord to withdraw, but it could be a progression, friends, hear me. It could be a progression of choices and decisions that causes you to reject God's prompting in your life. And before you know it, you find yourself that you're in a situation too difficult and too hard to get out of this morning. Take it out of. Friends listen to me this morning. When you hear that still small voice. Speaking and prompting you. It's important. It's vitally important. That you don't dismiss it. Because continuous rejection. Of his voice. Not the preacher's voice. But his voice. The spirit's voice. Will lead to more serious consequences. In later life. Friends the Lord. Has a purpose and plan for every life in this room. His way will always be perfect. And his way will always lead to to true fulfillment and joy. For listen, he is faithful. He is faithful that is promised. He's faithful. He's faithful this morning. But friends, who can know these hearts only God? who can know these hearts only God who can describe how these hearts are we cannot even know our own hearts not even to what they'll do even in an hour of temptation King David didn't even know his own heart Hezekiah didn't even know his own heart Peter Peter didn't even know his own heart there's only one that knows the heart and that's God for he knows all men He knows all men. And he knows what's in all men. I ask the question. Do you know what's in you? Do you know what's in you? Do I know what's in me? But friends more than that. More than that. Does that world outside those doors. Know what's in you? I know I'm being very straight this morning. But this is what the Lord has given me. I can't shirk it, I can't pull it off, I can't, no, no Lord, that's too hard. But this is what the Lord has given me. Does that world outside those doors know what's in your heart? Would they be able to tell what's in you by the way in which you live your life before them? Would they know that Christ is in you, the hope of glory? of our hearts would they be able to say I know that he's a Christian I know that she's a Christian I know that they fear God not just because they go to church twice on a Sunday and once on a Wednesday night no but because there's something different in them There's something different. They've got something that I don't have. They view life different from me. They don't think do the things that we do. They don't go to the same places that we go to. They don't laugh at the same jokes that we laugh at. There's a joy and a love within them that I don't have. Friends, you know that world out there is crying for something. Would you not agree? Hassan, you know in that shankle road. You know what it's like. They're crying out there for something. They're crying for something different. They're looking for reality. They're looking for truth. They're looking for life. They're looking for something that's going to give them true fulfillment in their lives. They feel that life has let them down. That's why there's so many suicides. That's why there's so many suicides. They feel that society has let them down. They feel that the government has let them down. But you know something more than that. They feel that the church has let them down. That's the truth, friends. They feel that the church has let them down. They've saw, they've saw through all the gimmicks and all the games that's been played. They can spot the charlatans and the fraudsters. The fraudsters a mile off. But friends, are looking for the real. They're looking for the real. They're looking for the genuine. They're looking for those that have that real life within them. You know, In Matthew 23, Christ makes his most severest attack on the scribes and on the Pharisees. And he pronounces the eight woes over them. He calls them hypocrites. He calls them deceivers. He calls them blind fools, blind guys. He calls them fools. Woo verses twenty-seven and twenty-eight he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like unto white at sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so ye are out, outwardly appear, even so ye outwardly appear, righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. You know, Christ got to the very heart of the matter with these scribes and these Pharisees. The people were looking to them. The people were looking to them for help and for spiritual guidance. But all they could do was bind heavy burdens upon men's shoulders and, and devour widows' houses. Christ called them whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward but are within full of dead men's bones. Friends, he knew, he knew what was in them. Do you hear me? He knew what was in them. To the world, they appeared beautiful. Their outward conduct appeared well. But friends, inside, inside, their hearts were full of hypocrisy. Envy, pride, lust and malice. They made clean the outside of the cup and the platter. But within they were full of extortion and access. But Christ saw right through them. Christ saw right through them. He knew what was truly within them. Church, please hear me this morning. Please hear me this morning. The rule is cleanse first that which is within. Plans first that which is when, Because Christ doesn't look on the outside. But he looks on the inside. He rejected Eliab. Eliab maybe six foot six. Maybe even, I don't know. Set big, strong. He rejected him. Because Christ, God doesn't look on the outward. But he looks on the inward. He looks on the inside of every heart. And of every life. Matthew Henry said the main business of a Christian lies within it lies within to get cleansed from the filthiness of this world corrupt the factions and inclinations the secret lusts that lurk in the soul unseen and unobserved these must first be mortified and subdued those sins must be conscientiously abstained from which the eye of God only is a witness to who searcheth He searcheth the heart. Friends, I know that you'll not hear this type of preaching in many, many other places, but can I tell you? These are the deep things of God. These are the deep things of God. This is where the rubber hits the road for us who are believers in Christ. You know, we can make all the great speeches, can't we? We can make all the great speeches. And say all the great prayers. And claim to know this word inside out. But what really is within us? What really is within us? Search me, O God. Search me, O God. And know my heart. And see if there be any wicked way within me. serious stuff this morning but listen but listen to me this is where this message takes a turn this is where this message takes a turn the first part we've dealt with the issues of the heart and those things within these vessels that are not pleasing to God but friends now I'm going to pour the oil in Now, I'm going to bring you some good news. I'm going to tell you about something else that lies within us. You know, if you are born again, have you been washed in his precious blood? If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, then can I tell you this morning that you have the life of Christ within you? You... Have the life of Christ within you. You've got the fragrance of Christ within you. You've got a treasure within these earthen vessels. What is that treasure that's within us? It's Christ. It's Christ. It's the spirit and knowledge of Christ living within us. It's the manifestation of divine power working through human weakness. You know friends, sometimes I think that we as Christians underestimate who and what we have got living within us. First Peter 2 and 9 says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which have not obtained mercy, but praise God, now we have obtained mercy. Friends, you and I You and I are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We've been set apart for God and his kingdom as a holy nation. And we're to proclaim the gospel of salvation to his praise and to his glory. Friends, we've been bought. We've been brought out of darkness and brought into his marvelous light. We are the children of the living God. We're not the children of Allah. We're not the children of Buddha. We're certainly not the children of Muhammad, but we're the children of him. You hear me this morning We're the children of him. Him who made all things and knows all things. And he lives within each and every one of us. What did the hymn writer pen? He said he lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. And he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Think about it, friends. Think about it. The great God of heaven, the one who flung all the stars into space, the one who set the sun and the moon in their place, the one who formed man with just the breath of his mouth lives within you and he lives within me. Can can we even get a grasp of that this morning? Can we even get a grasp of that this morning? That a thrice holy God lives within us. He lives within us. See, here's the crux of it all. Here's the crux of it all. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, Yes, Stephen, I know all that. I know all I believe all that. But there still seems to be an emptiness. There still seems to be an emptiness within me. There seems to be a lack of power within me. I love God, I love Jesus, I, I, I read His Word, I seek His face. But I just know there's something more. I just know there's something more, friend, can I say? You need to be filled. You need to be filled full of the Holy Ghost and power. You need a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit. You've heard it preached from this platform time and time and time again. You must be filled. You must be filled. You know, when you're filled with the Spirit, then there's no room. There's no room for anything else. There's no room for all that stuff that I talked about earlier on. When you're filled with the Spirit, you'll have a peace and a joy like you've never known before. When you're filled with the Spirit, you'll want to sing and you'll want to praise God like you've never done before. When you're filled with the Spirit, you'll have a passion for lost souls. Friends, when you're filled with the Spirit, you'll not moan and you'll not groan and have attitudes. Friends, are we getting it this morning? Be filled. Be filled means be controlled by. Be controlled by. Not controlled by our earthly lusts. Not controlled by this flesh but controlled by the Holy Spirit. So when you're controlled and filled by the Spirit, then all the attributes of Christ will flow out. Peace, love, joy, gentle, gentleness, goodness, meekness, kindness, long-suffering. They'll flow out, friends. They'll flow out from within you. That's the life of Christ. That's the life of Christ that is being poured out within you. So let's look at this. Let's look at this. When Paul was saying to be filled with the Spirit, he was saying, Keep on being filled with the Spirit. It was a continuous filling. One filling is not enough. We need to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Why? Because we're just human vessels. We're just human vessels and we leak. We leak. D.L. Moody was asked, Why do you always say that you need to be filled over and over and over again? He said, I do. I do. Because I leak. Because I leak. I get filled. But it drains out. The things that we deal with. Circumstances that come into our lives. Even life itself. You just lose that touch of God on your soul. And it leaks out. Is that not right? I mean I'm sure we've all experienced that. It just leaks out. So friends it's imperative. That we continually. Be filled. Be controlled. By the Holy Spirit. When you get up in the morning, oh, Lord, I need you. I need you to fill me today. On your way to work, Lord, I need you to fill me for this workplace. When you're home with the kids, oh, Lord, I need a double portion for these kids. When you're dealing with circumstances, Lord, I need you to come and to take control. When we come together to meet, Lord, will you overshadow me? Will you fill me with your spirit and let the river of life flow through my life? You know, friends, it's not complicated. It's not complicated. It's actually very simple and very practical. It's a promise from heaven. If you want the life of the risen Christ to be manifested in your life, then, folks, it's simply, it's simple. Be continually filled and controlled, and controlled by the Spirit of God, and not by this arm of flesh. Not by the arm of flesh. Ask God. Ask God to spring up a well within you. Friends, as I come to a close I ask again what's within you? What's within you? Christ knows for he knows all men. He knows what's in all men. Friends, what's within you? Is there a river of life bubbling up within you? Or are you dry? Are you stagnant? Has your well run empty? Maybe you're even running fumes. Friends, what's within you? Is Christ in you? Is Christ overflowing in your life? Is the spirit of Christ overflowing within you? Is it being manifested in you? Not, in the, not even in the church but outside those doors in your home in your workplace with your family is Christ being seen?